This is Bloomberg, the first word for this Tuesday, March 1st, 2016. Coming up this hour. The owner of the New York Stock Exchange is considering an offer for the London Stock Exchange. Out of Africa, Barclays is selling its stake in its Africa business and cutting its dividend as profit plunges. Apple heads to a congressional hearing fresh off a privacy victory in a Brooklyn court. It is Super Tuesday in several states. How will voters decide in today's presidential primaries? I'm Michael Barr. That story and more straight ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. Thrilling win for the Rangers at the Garden over Columbus. The Nets fell to the Clippers in L.A. And the Jets make their decision on the franchise tag. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg The First Word. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1200 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on Bloomberg.com and via the Radio Plus mobile app. Good morning, I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Bob Moon. Bloomberg, the first word brought to you by Interactive Brokers with direct market access to stocks, options, futures, forex, bonds, and ETFs in over 100 market centers in 24 countries from one account. Visit IBKR.com slash trade worldwide. And at 6.01 on Wall Street, we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Futures higher, S&P E-mini futures up 14 points, Dow E-mini futures up 120, and NASDAQ E-mini futures up 34, DAX in Germany is up 1.5%. Ten-year Treasury down 4.30 seconds, the yield 1.75%. NYMEX crude oil up 1.3% or 45 cents, COMEX gold up half a percent or $5.90, and the euro a dollar oh eight seven one. There may be a bidding war brewing for the London Stock Exchange. We get the very latest from Bloomberg's Anna Edwards in our London Bureau. Bob and Karen, the Intercontinental Exchange has confirmed that it's considering making an offer for the LSE a week after rival Deutsche Börse said it was in merger talks with the London Trading House. ICE said in a statement that it hasn't taken a final decision on whether to make an offer and it has not yet approached the LSE about doing any deal. According to people familiar with the matter, ICE, which already owns the New York Stock Exchange, is working with advisors, including Morgan Stanley, to prepare a possible higher offer. But any bid is unlikely to come before the March 22nd UK takeover panel deadline for Deutsche Börse's formal approach. Anna Edwards, Bloomberg Radio, London. All right, thanks, Anna. Barclays shares down more than 10% this morning. Fourth quarter profit fell by more than half, and the bank is cutting its dividend. Barclays also said it will sell down the stake in its Africa business and reorganize the company into two divisions. Here's Chief Executive Jess Staley. It's a very difficult decision. Barclays has been in Africa for over 100 years, but as we own 62.3% of Barclays Africa, On the other hand, in terms of how the regulators think about our ownership in Barclays, we own 100% in terms of the liabilities. So when you look at the capital charges that we have, funding charges, et cetera, that truncates significantly the returns that are generated locally in Africa. Barclays CEO Jess Staley speaking earlier with Bloomberg Television. Profit plunges 69% at mining and trading company Glencore. However, the stock is up more than 1% after Chief Executive Officer Ivan Glassenberg said commodity prices have bottomed and sales into China are pretty good. We should note Peter Grauer, the chairman of Bloomberg LP, is a senior independent non-executive director at Glencore. China's factory gauge has extended a stretch of declines. Bloomberg First Word Asia's Brian Curtis reports from our bureau in Hong Kong. Bob, 
Karen, it's a record seven months of worsening conditions for manufacturing. And to make matters worse for policymakers, the services gauge slid to the weakest in seven years. The manufacturing PMI dropping to 49 in February, missing estimates of 49.4 in a Bloomberg survey. The services gauge slipping to 52.7 from 53.5. And a separate manufacturing reading from Caixin Media fell to 48 from 48.4. Seasonal effects may have distorted the readings, with the Chinese New Year holiday falling in February. But any way you slice it, the data do dim hopes that the lending binge back in January would help lift growth. That hasn't happened. Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Radio, Hong Kong. Thanks, Brian. Chinese officials assure Treasury Secretary Jack Liu that there's no plan to devalue the yuan. Liu spoke at a briefing in Hong Kong today after meeting the day before with Premier Li Keqiang and Chinese policymakers. He said he was told there is no intention or need to devalue China's currency. Increased uncertainty over financial market turbulence is causing Fed Bank of New York President William Dudley to be, in his words, somewhat less confident in the central bank's inflation forecast. Dudley spoke today in China. He stressed that he's marked down his growth outlook very modestly. While he still expects inflation to reach the 2% target over time, Dudley said downsides risks or downside risks have crept up. He insisted, though, that market volatility won't dictate policy decisions. Automakers continue to enjoy strong sales last month, according to a Bloomberg survey of industry analysts. The car companies issue their sales figures for February today, and Bloomberg's Mark Mills has a preview. Karen and Bob, auto industry analysts, forecast annualized sales of 17.6 million cars and light trucks, the fastest pace for any February since 2000. Last month's sales were boosted by stable consumer demand combined with President's Day sales promotions. Stern AG analyst Michael Ward notes that a late January winter storm on the East Coast likely pushed some sales into February. Ford may lead the way with a 12.6% increase in light vehicle sales compared to last February, according to the Bloomberg survey. Moody says that after stronger-than-expected sales growth of 5.8% last year, growth will slow sharply to nine-tenths of 1% in 2016 because much of the pent-up demand has been met. Mark Mills, Bloomberg Radio. Thanks, Mark. And fresh off a court victory in Brooklyn, Apple comes in with some wind in its sails with its showdown with the government. We get the details live from Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. Well, yesterday, a judge in Brooklyn, Karen, denied the government's bid to force Apple to help it gain access to another iPhone, one that belonged to a drug dealer. This ruling comes as members of Congress today are set to grill Apple executives about their refusal to unlock the iPhone belonging to a terrorist in the San Bernardino shootings. The Brooklyn ruling doesn't constitute a legal precedent, but it may frame the debate. Kristen Eisenser at the UCLA School of Law says the fact that the magistrate in New York found that even the less demanding order that the FBI is seeking there is an undue burden on Apple suggests that the more burdensome order in California violates the law. After aiding prosecutors in unlocking at least 70 iPhones, Apple last year said it didn't want to serve as the government's helper anymore. Karen and Bob. All right, thanks, John. Bloomberg's John Tucker. S&P E-mini futures up 14 points this morning. Dow E-mini futures up 115. This is Bloomberg. Here we move along to 607 on Wall Street. Why this day is bound to be a super one. Let's bring in Michael Barr now with the latest. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Bob. Bernie Sanders' wife acknowledges that the Vermont senator faces a rough map on Super Tuesday today. Jane Sanders predicts that her husband will split the states with fellow Democrat Hillary Clinton. 
And she says her husband will take his campaign through July's Democratic Convention. Meanwhile, Clinton campaigned in Virginia yesterday during a stop in Norfolk. Clinton talked about Sanders wanting to make college free. If you say it's free, you're never going to get costs under control. The money is just going to flow and they can keep raising the costs. we got to get these costs down. That's what I'm focused on. Yesterday, the State Department released the final batch of emails Hillary Clinton kept on a private server while she was Secretary of State. The 14th and last batch contains about 3,800 pages of email messages. Former Ku Klux Klan leader David Duke says the media is attempting to smear Donald Trump. Duke told Fox News Radio that his asking people to vote for Trump is not the same as an endorsement. Trump has been roundly criticized for declining to immediately disavow Duke's support during an interview on CNN. Trump says he did not hear the question clearly. Yesterday, Trump spoke during a rally in Valdosta, Georgia. Now they come up, Donald, I'd like to give you $10 million for your campaign. I go, I don't want it. It's hard because my whole life, so I take money, take money. Now I'm going to be greedy for the United States. I'm going to take and take and take. Rival Marco Rubio told the crowd in Oklahoma City Trump is not an electable Republican candidate. A vote for Donald Trump tomorrow is a vote for Hillary Clinton in November. I will not let that happen. You should not let that happen. Scientists may have the first evidence that Zika can cause temporary paralysis. That's according to a new study of patients who developed the rare mosquito-borne condition during an outbreak of the virus in Tahiti two years ago. Nevada is experiencing the highest rate of syphilis in the West following an outbreak in Las Vegas. Health officials say it's part of a national spike in anonymous sex tied to social media and a less consistent use of condoms. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Bob? Thanks very much, Michael. 609 on Wall Street and now with your Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. Good morning to you, John Stashauer. Good morning, Bob. Rangers continue to play well. Three straight wins. They finish a 10-3 and one month of February. Still haven't had a two-game losing streak in all of 2016. At the Garden, Rangers gave Henrik Lundqvist the night off. Still top Columbus 2-1. to one. Now have the second most points in the Eastern Conference. Matt Zuccarello scored in the first period. And Derek Stepan, the game winner, shorthanded with less than three minutes to go in the third. Blue Shirts win in the debut of Eric Stahl, just acquired from Carolina. It's been positive since that moment. It's been, um, been a lot of fun coming here and, and joining this group. It's a great group of guys that uh, made me feel real welcome right off the bat. And uh, feels real nice to get the, the win. That's uh, what we're focused on here uh, as a group. He's playing now with his younger brother, Mark. He was playing with the younger brother, Jordan, at Carolina. Nets with the first of back-to-back games at the Staples Center. They'll face the lowly Lakers tonight. But against the Clippers, they fell 105-95, unable to get a season-high third straight win as Jamal Crawford scored 26 points. Chris Paul added 23 for L.A. Brooke Lopez led Brooklyn with 25. Is Kansas emerging as the team to beat in the upcoming NCAA tournament? Now ranked number one in the country, and the Jayhawks on the road pounded Texas 86 56, North Carolina got by Syracuse 75-70. As expected, the Jets used the franchise tag on defensive lineman Mo Wilkerson. If he doesn't sign a long-term deal, he'll make $15.7 million next season. The team, the Jets, are forever chasing made some news as Tom Brady signed a two-year extension with New England through 2019 when Brady will be 42 years old. We're at the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. I'm John Stashow. John, thanks. Over the course of two days, Valiant Pharmaceuticals stunned its shareholders with a string of surprise disclosures and investor relations gaffes. 
In rapid-fire succession, the drug maker withdrew a financial forecast, delayed the release of fourth-quarter results, and confirmed a previously undisclosed probe by the Securities and Exchange Commission that came to light after media inquiries. The stock dropped 18% yesterday. Stay with us. We'll discuss where the campaign for the White House stands now with Megan Murphy, Bloomberg D.C. bureau chief, as Donald Trump's rivals try to claw him down from the hill. Bloomberg, the first word brought to you by Flushing Bank. Open a complete business checking account with $15,000 or more and get a free 16-gig Wi-Fi tablet. Visit FlushingBank.com for details. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by CIT. From transportation to healthcare to manufacturing, CIT offers commercial lending, leasing, and treasury management services for small and middle market businesses. Learn more at CIT.com. Put knowledge to work. Today we're watching the markets after the S&P 500 fell 8 tenths percent yesterday, erasing its February gain. Global stocks are rallying, emerging market currencies rising, and crude oil climbing after investors across Asia responded favorably to stimulus and China. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures up 16 points. Dow E-mini futures up 130. NASDAQ E-mini futures up 37. The DAX in Germany is up 1.5%. Ten-year Treasury down 3.30 seconds. The yield 1.74%. NYMEX crude oil up 1.4% or 50 cents to 34.23 a barrel. COMEX gold is up half percent or $6.50 to 12.40.90 an ounce. The euro, $1.0864. The yen, $113.19. Today, we're also looking for a report on manufacturing from the Institute for Supply Management at 10 o'clock Wall Street time, along with construction spending. And automakers report U.S. sales figures for the month of February today. Bank of Nova Scotia, Canada's third largest lender by assets, saying fiscal first quarter profit rose 5% on higher earnings from its international business. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, this could be the day Republican and Democratic presidential candidates will get some major separation from their rivals. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are hoping things will break their way during Super Tuesday, the busiest day of the 2016 primaries. Republican rivals Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz want to stop Trump. Bernie Sanders hopes he can better rally minorities that are mainly Democratic voters. The U.N. Security Council will vote this afternoon on additional sanctions on North Korea. It comes almost two months after North Korean leader Kim Jong-un carried out Pyongyang's fourth underground nuclear test. In sports in the NBA, the Nets lost to the Clippers. The Celtics beat the Jazz. The Wizards downed the 76ers. In the NHL, the Rangers skated past the Blue Jackets. The Sharks beat the Canadiens. More on these and other stories at the bottom of the hour. Bob? Michael Barr, thank you very much. Let's dig a little deeper on the importance of today's Super Tuesday primaries in about a dozen states. Brought to you by CIT, from transportation to healthcare to manufacturing. CIT offers commercial lending, leasing, and treasury management services for small and middle market businesses. Learn more at CIT.com. Put knowledge to work. Megan Murphy is our D.C. Bureau Chief, but this morning we're fortunate to have her joining us here at Bloomberg World Headquarters. Megan, thanks for coming in. Good to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I don't think I've seen a Super Tuesday as pivotal as this one could be on both the Republican and Democratic sides. Let's start with the Democratic contest. Seems all the pundits are looking to Hillary Clinton to use this day to pull away from Bernie Sanders. 
Yeah, that's definitely what we expect. I mean, her sort of stunning victory in South Carolina and the margins we saw, a 50-point overall win, but just huge margins with African-American voters, huge margins with women, which had been a sort of a little source of concern for her campaign after her poor showing in New Hampshire. So we definitely expect her to solidify her status as not only just the front runner in this campaign, but almost the virtual nominee after today. It would be surprising uh, if he gained sort of more states. He might win in Vermont. We're looking at Massachusetts, Minnesota. Some people are looking at Colorado. And the one thing to remember about Bernie Sanders uh, in, in terms of Hillary Clinton is that he still has quite a bit of money. He raised over $40 million in February. So even if he doesn't do well today and she has a great day, as is expected, he really has no pressure on him to drop out financially, at least. Now, I haven't been out there, but I have noticed just looking at the coverage that uh, Hillary Clinton has seemed to become more comfortable with the campaign, if you will. Do you do you sense that? I think they've always been striving for a perception of being more comfortable. It's always a bit difficult with her campaign in that, let's be honest, she's not a natural campaigner. She doesn't have the natural political touch, say, her husband Bill Clinton did. She doesn't have that sort of natural way with people, and they do always keep people a bit at a distance. But I think she has gotten much more disciplined about her message. She's gotten better on the stump. She's become, um, you know, sort of less formal. She's cha- changed up her message a little bit to hurt to hit certain parts of the electorate that she wants and needs, whether it's minority voters, women, as I mentioned, younger voters as well, which is going to be key. So I think she's more comfortable, but it's a measure of degree always with her campaign. On the Republican side, I guess it depends on your perspective whether this day could either settle things or throw things into disarray. I think that when we look at today, you know, Donald Trump is poised for truly sweeping victories in many of these states. And I think even though we keep saying this, that there'll be this day of reckoning for the Republican Party, still it feels like a party in immense crisis. In fact, it feels more like a party in crisis, I think, than it has just with the dawning realization that at the end of today, we may see Donald Trump with just such a huge lead, not only in terms of the vote and sort of popular momentum behind him, but in terms of the delegate count. And I think the Republican Party has only seen this, the establishment wing of that party, quite late and has moved to mobilize and sort of you know, put their forces behind who they would prefer. Um, this is going to be too little too late, I think many people think. Have we ever seen a campaign like this where Republican leaders are actively sniping at their front runner? It's unbelievable. And I was speaking to a sort of prominent uh, Republican fundraiser yesterday, and he was saying that, look, their biggest concern now is that this descends into such out of control in terms of um, sitting senators, sitting congressmen, saying they refuse to support the Republican nominee if it's Donald Trump. You know, that would cause real lasting damage to the party. And they're not only looking to 2016, where, of course, not only the presidency, but the Senate is very much in play. But they're even looking beyond to sort of 2018 and making sure they can till, still secure this lead they have in state houses and governorships, you know, and sort of this big state policy that they've carved out. And there's real, real concern among people that this type of race with people refusing to toe the line in terms of supporting the Republican nominee, if it is Trump, will cause lasting damage. Break out the popcorn and wait for the returns. Megan Murphy is our D.C. Bureau Chief, uh, joining us today from Bloomberg World Headquarters.
S&P mini futures this morning up 17 points. That is better than three quarters of a percent. Dow minis higher by 135 points, and Nasdaq e mini futures up 38 points. Treasury prices lower this morning. The yield on the 10-year up to 1.75 percent. West Texas intermediate crude is up almost one and a half percent to 34.24 a barrel, and Comex gold is higher by half a percent to 12.41 10 cents. Announce. You're listening to Bloomberg, the first word on Bloomberg Radio. The first word is brought to you by NYCB. Ask about their My Community Interest checking with free NYCB online and mobile banking. Earn more, get more. Visit nycbfamily.com for details. Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg The First Word. And at 630 on Wall Street, good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Bob Moon. We are just about three hours away from the opening of U.S. trading on this first day of March. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Stocks are rallying around the world, and emerging market currencies are higher as we begin the first trading day of the month. The S&P 500 is coming off its third straight monthly decline. Barclays shares down more than 10 percent. The bank says it will sell down the stake in its Africa business, cut its dividend, and move more assets into its non-core unit. Intercontinental Exchange, the owner of the NYSE, says it's considering making an offer for the London Stock Exchange Group a week after Deutsche Börse said it was in merger talks with the U.K. company. Industry data today could show U.S. manufacturing contracted for the fifth month in a row. Economists say the ISM factory index for February will probably register 48.5. Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice has that story from the First Word desk. Readings below 50 signal contraction. The ISM index has been below 50 since October, the longest stretch since 2008 and 2009. January's report showed weakness in exports and employment, though orders and production resumed growth. The strong dollar and the collapse in the oil industry have been taking a toll. At the Bloomberg First Word Desk, I'm Vinny Del, Judice Bloomberg Radio. China's factory gauge extended its stretch of deteriorating conditions to a record seven months, while the measure of services fell to the weakest in seven years. Euro-area factories cut prices at the fastest pace in almost three years in February, compounding an already worrisome inflation environment for the European Central Bank. German joblessness fell for a fifth month in February in a sign that economic momentum will continue to be underpinned by household spending. The Volatility Index Report is brought to you by CBOE VIX Options and Futures. Volatility can be harnessed with CBOE VIX Options and Futures. See disclosures and learn more at cboe.com slash Powerful Outcomes VIX. The VIX has gained in two straight sessions now. The index rose three and three quarters percent to 2055. That's the first close above 20 since last Wednesday. And that's this morning's Volatility Report. 
And futures this morning are higher. S&P E-mini future is up about 18 points. Dow E-mini futures up 140. NASDAQ E-mini futures up 40. The DAX in Germany is up 1.6%. Ten-year Treasury down 3.30 seconds. The yield 1.74%. Yield on the two-year 0.78%. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.6% or 56 cents to 34.30 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 6 tenths percent or $7.10 to 12.41.50 an ounce. And the euro $1.08. This is Bloomberg. Karen, thank you. That brings us to 633 on Wall Street. And this news update is brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network. When it's time to change the conversation, talk with a broker-dealer RIA that's ready to listen. Call 866-462-3638 or visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. Well, today could be a political pivot point. Let's bring in Michael Barr with the very latest. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Bob. It is Super Tuesday. Several states will hold presidential primaries today. Voters who pull Republican primary ballots will pick between the five remaining candidates. Donald Trump, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, John Kasich, and Ben Carson. Trump campaigned at a rally in Valdosta, Georgia yesterday. We're winning with highly educated. We're well, right? We're winning with a little bit less than highly educated, which is okay. I love you. Rubio, during a rally in Oklahoma City, took a swipe at Trump. Donald Trump has chosen to appeal to their anger and to their frustrations. And he's done so in a way that, quite frankly, boils my blood. The Democratic race features a much tighter contest between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. Sanders campaigning in Milton, Massachusetts yesterday asked how Clinton could change Washington while her super PAC takes big money donations from special interests. And I'm not quite so sure you bring about real change in America if you give a speech to Goldman Sachs for $225,000 and you don't release the transcript. Bloomberg will have nonstop Super Tuesday coverage throughout the night, starting with a special edition of With All Due Respect, starting at 5 p.m. Wall Street time. We'll also have analysis on how the results will impact the markets. A congressional hearing will be held today on the battle between Apple and the U.S. government. The House Judiciary Committee will hold a hearing this afternoon. Meanwhile, Apple has won a case where prosecutors wanted it to unlock an iPhone. A New York judge says the U.S. Justice Department cannot force Apple to provide the FBI with access to locked iPhone data in a routine Brooklyn drug case. Yesterday's decision follows a California magistrate judge's order requiring Apple to create software to help the U.S. hack the iPhone of a shooter in last year's killing of 14 people in San Bernardino. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Bob? Thank you, sir. Michael brings us to 635 on Wall Street. And along comes John Stashauer now with your Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. Hey, John. All right, Bob, Rangers and Blue Jackets at the Garden, both looking for their third win in a row. Literally went to the wire. Matt Zuccarello scored his 21st of the year. First period, Cam Atkinson tied it for Columbus. 1-1 late in the third, and the Rangers had Mark Stahl in the penalty box. Picked up by Stepan. He fakes, and he scores! A short-handed goal! 
MSG had the call. It ended 2-1, but only after Auntie Ranta stopped Atkinson in the last second. Columbus actually scored on the rebound, but it was after time had expired. Nets were in it, down only two going to the fourth quarter, but beaten by the Clippers in L.A., 105-95, and the Nets right back at the same arena tonight to play the Lakers, last time they'll ever face Kobe Bryant. College hoops, Syracuse could have cemented a spot in the NCAAs. Hung with North Carolina, but the Tar Heels prevailed 75-70. Kansas now ranked number one and on the road in 86-56 route of Texas. Mo Wilkerson leads the strength of the Jets. Their defensive line had a career-high 12 sacks last season. The Jets want to keep him, so they have placed the franchise tag on Wilkerson. Mets slugger Joanna Cespedes continues to make news off the field at spring training. He's been seen driving six different expensive cars Saturday Cespedes went to the Port St. Lucie Fair, watched a hog competition, and then decided to purchase the winning hog for $7,000 with the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. I'm John Stashel. John, thanks very much. It's now 637 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View, the opinion section of Bloomberg. Antonin Scalia was probably familiar with the phrase, no one should be a judge in his own cause. The justice's death at a resort in Texas, where he was staying free of charge, has raised questions about how seriously that notion is taken by the Supreme Court. Justices have exempted themselves from the code of conduct that applies to other federal judges. They get to decide questions about their own impartiality by themselves. In 2004, Scalia declined to recuse himself from a case involving Vice President Dick Cheney in the energy industry. Shortly after Cheney and Scalia had gone on a duck hunting trip together. Scalia voted in favor of Cheney. Right or wrong, this did nothing to bolster public confidence in the court's impartiality. Justices may also accept junkets, and they often do. The Supreme Court does comply with the financial disclosure requirements that apply to all federal judges, but Chief Justice Roberts has suggested that they do so only out of the goodness of their hearts. The Supreme Court has a tendency toward opacity, shunning calls for more openness, including a refusal to allow cameras into its courthouse. The public deserves a court that is more transparent and accountable. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg View Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more view, please go to BloombergView.com and view go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. Bloomberg View editorials can be heard every weekday at this time. Former Fed Reserve Chairman Alan Greenspan says negative interest rates, if pursued for an extended period of time, will eventually distort saving and investment. He spoke to Bloomberg's Tom Keen and Michael McKee. Up to a point, negative interest rates have no effect. Why? Because people are willing to accept a negative interest rate to hold the claims of these particular countries. That's going to change if this goes on indefinitely because somebody's going to start to move. We don't know what happens when that happens. And we will have more of our interview with former Fed Chairman Alan Greenspan on Bloomberg Surveillance at 7 a.m. Wall Street time. How is influence being wielded in Washington? Bloomberg government has been crunching the numbers on lobbying spending in 2015. They show it's been relatively flat over the last four years. Nancy Lyons has more from the Bloomberg 99 Washington Newsroom. Lobbying dollars continue to hover in the range of $3.2 billion. But Bloomberg government's quantitative analyst, Jorge Oquias, says a shift is taking place. One of the things we've noticed, though, are the top 100 corporations are spending a little bit less every year. If you compare 2012 to 2015, they spent about 7% less, the top spenders, between then and now. So who is making up the difference? Akia says associations are stepping in to fill the gap. There are smaller players now in the lobbying world, and 
as top Croatian spending went down, smaller players are seeing an opportunity to influence government. He says some of the larger corporations are hoping to wield influence by spending more in political contributions and PR campaigns. Nancy Lyons, Bloomberg Radio. Thanks, Nancy. Sports Authority, which is preparing to file for bankruptcy, has discussed selling stores and intellectual property to rival chain Dick's Sporting Goods and other parties. Two people familiar with the situation say the Dick's transaction is one of several options being considered. S&P E-mini futures up 17 points, nearly 1%. The first word brought to you by T2 Computing, a new kind of IT solutions company for workflow mobility and infrastructure. Let them explain how their expertise can help you gain greater business value. Visit T2Computing.com for more information. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. It is the first trading day of March, and futures are higher this morning. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are higher following gains in Asia and Europe. Dow futures currently higher by 138 points. S&P's gained 17, and Nasdaq futures rise by 38. Shanghai climbed 1.6% overnight. While main European markets are led by 1.7% gains in Germany. On the U.S. economic front at 945, market U.S. manufacturing. And at 10 o'clock, ISM manufacturing and construction spending. After the bell last night, GoPro expects to record substantial net loss in Q1. Marathon Oil upsized 145 million share offering priced at 765 a share. And Workday Q1 Revenue View trailed estimates. In deal news, Intercontinental Exchange said it may bid for the London Stock Exchange. In other news, Fed's Dudley said somewhat less confident on inflation outlook. Finally, some early Wall Street upgrades and downgrades. At Bank of America, linear technology cut to underperform. Freeport McMoran raised to neutral. Kaiser Aluminum raised to buy at Deutsche Bank. At Goldman Sachs, DSW and Steve Madden cut to sell. Quest Diagnostics and Walgreens Boots raised to buy at Mizuho. And finally at RBC, United Technologies raised to outperform. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, thanks, Bill. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk go on your terminal. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, it is Super Tuesday, the busiest day of the 2016 presidential primaries. Front runners Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton hope to put some distance from the rest of the Republican and Democratic field today. President Obama will hold a scheduled face-to-face meeting with the Senate Republican leaders vowing to block his Supreme Court nominee. Today's meeting will be the first time the leaders have met since the death of Justice Antonin Scalia. In sports in the NBA, the Nets lost to the Clippers. The Celtics beat the Jazz. The Wizards down the 76ers. In the NHL, the Rangers skated past the Blue Jackets. The Sharks beat the Canadiens. More on these and other stories within the hour. Bob? Michael Barr, thank you. And Michael mentioned it. It's not as if we don't know what everybody will be following in D.C. today. We're joined by Mike Shepard, Deputy Managing Editor for Bloomberg News in Washington. Mike, we've been hitting this Super Tuesday pretty hard this morning, but that's because of the kind of political wallop that it could pack for both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. This is their chance to really pull away if they can win decisively, right? Well, that's right. Uh, the day will not end with enough 
delegates for either candidate to seal the nomination, but it will give them enough momentum to break away from their uh, closest rivals. Uh, billionaire Donald Trump is holding a wide lead in national polls that were released as recently as yesterday, and he has racked up some key endorsements, including New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Um, even as some of the Republican Party are very squeamish about his uh, candidacy and trying to disavow his, uh, his presence on the ticket, uh, meanwhile, for Hillary Clinton, a strong showing in in the several southern states that are voting today will help her pull away from uh, uh, from Bernie Sanders. And her candidate, her campaign is already looking ahead to Trump as the uh, as the next big hurdle, and and they have him in their uh, in their radar screens. Any chance, in particular, on the Republican side, that uh, the, the rivals could deliver any kind of sting? Well, there's always a chance. Uh, it's hard to say what voters will do until they actually head out to the, uh, to the polling places. But based on the polls, it will be uh, a tall order. Um, if Ted Cruz loses his home state of Texas today, that will be a serious blow to his, uh, to his candidacy. So we will see, uh, we will see what happens there. And on Capitol Hill, Apple is going to be in the spotlight. Yes, this is another story we've been talking about a lot lately, and today it moves to Congress. The House Judiciary Committee is going to hold a hearing, uh, hearing testimony from Apple's general counsel and from FBI director in the phone encryption spat between the company and the government. Uh, the company so far is refusing to comply with an order from a federal judge to help the FBI unlock a terrorist's iPhone, saying that doing so would undermine consumer privacy. Yet yesterday, uh, Apple won a battle in federal court in Brooklyn in an unrelated case, but touching on the same issue. There, a judge ruled that Apple does not have to help the government unlock a drug dealer's iPhone in a separate criminal case. Haven't heard much about the Supreme Court in recent days. What's the progress there? Well, a lot has been taking a place behind the scenes, and uh, the president is scheduled to meet Tuesday at the White House with uh, top Republican and Democrats from the Senate, as well as top lawmakers from both parties on the Senate Judiciary Committee, which is the panel that would hold hearings on any eventual nominee from uh, from the president. Now, Obama has named one of his least known but most important advisors, Brian Deese, to head up the fight to find a replacement for the late Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. Now, inside the White House, Deese is known as the guy the president turns to when he needs something tricky pushed over the finish line. Mm -hmm. That includes the uh, bailout in 2009 of automakers to budget deals and, most recently, the uh, Paris Climate Accord. Mike Shepard, Deputy Managing Editor for Bloomberg News in Washington. Appreciate it. And a reminder that Bloomberg Radio will have nonstop Super Tuesday coverage throughout the night, starting with a special edition of With All Due Respect, starting at 5 p.m. Wall Street time. We will also have analysis on how the results will impact the markets. It's now 6.53 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View. The cities with the healthiest job markets are often those with the least affordable real estate. Meanwhile, cities where housing is inexpensive usually don't have a lot of great jobs on offer. Still, I figured there had to be some places where jobs are plentiful and housing a lot cheaper than in Boston or New York or San Francisco. So I went looking for them in the data, using a Brookings Institution report to identify metropolitan areas with better-than-average economic growth since 2009, and a National Association of Realtors report to identify those with more affordable-than-average housing. 
They then sifted out the areas with a below-average share of college graduates because education levels are a good indicator of job quality. Five metropolitan areas met my test. Cincinnati and Columbus, Ohio, Minneapolis, Omaha, and Pittsburgh. None of these is what you'd call a boom town. Columbus is the fastest growing of the bunch, and it's only the 20th fastest growing large metro area nationwide. But these places all have unemployment rates well below the national average, with Omaha's the lowest at just 3%. They could grow faster if only more people moved there. So what are you waiting for? I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View. For more Bloomberg opinion and commentary, please go to BloombergView.com or View Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. Bloomberg commentaries can be heard hourly, weekday mornings. And a small business report is brought to you by GoToMeeting, the online meeting solution that hosts over 50 million meetings a year. Easily present, collaborate, and get work done anywhere using a computer or mobile device. Learn more at GoToMeeting.com. Now here's John Tucker. In the north woods of Quebec, Canada, the Knight family has been making maple syrup for over 23 years. Uh, we've got just uh, probably another 12 buckets down here, so we might get another 10 gallons. The Knights are one of about 13,500 sap farmers in the province. Quebec has been called the Saudi Arabia of maple syrup. In fact, they even have their own OPEC, the Federation of Quebec Maple Syrup Producers. It's a kind of government-sanctioned cartel that accounts for 71% of world supply. The Federation caps output for the Knights and the other sap farmers to maintain price stability. But like OPEC, there are competitors in other parts of Canada and the northern U.S. that have been boosting supplies to meet rising demand. Traditionally used mostly to pour over pancakes or waffles, maple syrup is following the same trend as other natural sweeteners. Food manufacturers are busy adding maple syrup to everything from chips to Pop-Tarts. And that's the Bloomberg Small Business Report. John Tucker, thanks very much. And now let's check other stories making news this morning. And on Bloomberg Top, an interesting interview with J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon, conducted by Bloomberg's editor-in-chief John Micklethwaite. Among the topics covered, what is the future of finance? Will Silicon Valley challenge Wall Street? And can China build global banks? It's all on the Bloomberg Terminal. Well, also on the Bloomberg, it's generally accepted that a lot of accounting isn't, well, generally accepted. But with more and more companies promoting bookkeeping that deviates from U.S. standards known as GAAP for general accepted accounting principles, the Securities and Exchange Commission is warning that getting about or warning about getting too creative. The concern is too much non-GAAP accounting could make it harder for investors to size up companies, and using non-standard accounting is perfectly legal, provided companies also report the official GAAP numbers. And, Karen, if you uh, haven't been following it, New York City has been battling restaurants again in court and a trade group fighting the rule on salt, which New York City put in place late last year, won an emergency reprieve yesterday, one day before the city was set to start issuing fines for violations. This is the latest twist in a bitter back and forth between New York and the National Restaurant Association. It harks back to the city's efforts to ban trans fats, require calorie counts on menus, and limit the size of sugary sodas. This one would require a triangular salt shaker icon to be placed beside items on the menu with at least 2,300 milligrams of sodium. That would start uh, on Tuesday today for $200 for each infraction, but now a court has put it off until a larger appeals court can consider it. 
And customers can find these stories and more on the Bloomberg Terminal. And don't forget, we'll have more of our interview with Alan Greenspan straight ahead on Bloomberg Surveillance. For Bob Moon, I'm Karen Moscow. This is Bloomberg, the first word on Bloomberg Radio.